What's up, everyone? Welcome back. It's Friday. I'm in a good mood, in case you couldn't tell. I actually have a really fun day lined up. I had a great workout. I've changed things a little bit within my workout routine. I am now incorporating 30 minutes of cardio with 30 minutes of strength training to increase variety, get my blood flow pumping, get my heart beating. And the 30 minutes of cardio makes such a positive impact on my strength training because I almost see it as like a 30 minute warm up to just get my muscles loosened up, get my blood flow going, increase my heart rate. I'm not doing anything crazy, by the way. This is all low impact cardio. So I'm not doing burpees. I'm not doing jumping jacks. I'm literally just like marching in place and waving my arms around and stepping forwards and stepping backwards. And the 30 minutes of cardio has really changed the way that I that I lift now. And, you know, I may actually I'm thinking of um, writing an article about it. So look out in my newsletter for that piece if you're someone who loves training, fitness, and is looking for more variety in their routine. Other than that, um, my husband usually gets home a little bit early on Fridays. So if he does get home around like one, two o'clock, we may go thrift shopping, which is my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite activity, my favorite way to shop. I love spending money on like home decor, but not just any home decor, like pieces that have history and personality and things that you can't just buy online at Target or Walmart or Pottery Barn, really unique individual showstoppers that make your house a home and conversational pieces too. Like when a friend comes over, for example, I got this chair at Goodwill. Um, it's like a reading chair in my living room and it is crushed velvet orange. It's antique with like gorgeous walnut handles and legs. And one of my friends came over and she was like, where'd you get this chair? And I was like, girl, it's fucking Goodwill for fucking $10. You get the best stuff there, honestly. It's my favorite piece in the living room and... Yeah, so hopefully we can go thrift shopping today and buy some stuff. I don't have anything else to say about the newsletter. I honestly haven't written that much since we last spoke on Wednesday. But I did want to sneak in just one more episode before the weekend because I did have this stroke of genius, this idea, this light bulb light bulb in my head just went off the other day. I was standing in my kitchen waiting for my onions to caramelize, which is... A lengthy process. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes for that crispy golden brown color to show up. And while I was standing there, it dawned on me like just how at peace I was now that I'm expanding my horizons in the kitchen and testing new ingredients and recipes. And listen, even though caramelized onions is not like going to impress Paul Hollywood or Gordon Ramsay or Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. Like I'm not a fucking like Julia Child over here, but I will explain later in the episode how I have just been so clueless in the kitchen for so many years, mostly because my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she did all the cooking. Um, So I never really bothered to learn to cook for myself. And now that I'm 30 and I'm caramelizing onions, I'm kind of proud of myself. And I was standing there like, wow, I feel so at peace right now. I feel so wholesome just cooking whole ass ingredients without chemicals and additives and food coloring and natural flavors, but also unnatural flavors. Just like one onion, chop it up, throw it in a pan, use some olive oil or avocado oil or butter, melt it all in there and get that golden crispy goodness. So while I was standing there, I was like, hmm, I'm really into food right now, and I always have been, honestly. So 
I wanted to talk about like a little food history, like take a walk down memory lane and revisit my favorite food memories. And in order to do that, I have to take you back into like my family history and where I was born and raised. It's complicated. It's messy. So please bear with me. If you don't understand, like it's fine. Um, I was born in London. Rumor has it in my family, my mom will never admit this, but rumor has it, I think my sister once upon a time told me that I was an accident. I was an accident pregnancy and my mom just kept me. Um, and that explains why I was born in London. We don't really have any family history there. We don't have, you know, my grandmother doesn't live there or extended family, like nobody else lives there. But because I think my dad's job took him there and they were temporarily living there and like, oops, I popped out. And then we were also living in London because we couldn't really live in the Czech Republic, also known as Czechoslovakia in that time, because it was communist and under USSR rule. And um, even though communism fell in like 1990, the Velvet Revolution didn't happen until 91, 92. And then technically it took about two years for the last Soviet tanks and military members to leave the country. So it looked, even though it ended, like communism fell apart in um, 1989 or 1990, it still took like two to three years for the last remnants and little pieces of the puzzle to completely vanish. And then Czech Republic became like a democratic country and then it was safe to move back. It was no longer a country at war. So then my family moved from London to Prague in the Czech Republic and I lived there until I was 18 years old. So even though I was technically born in London, I consider myself Czech. I consider Prague my hometown. I consider Czech Republic like my one true home. I don't really have much emotional attachment to London. Um, It's all Prague. So growing up, in Prague, I obviously ate a lot of Czech food, which has a lot of similarities to other Eastern or Central European cuisine as well. Very similar to like German food, Hungarian food, um, Austrian food. You know, it's all kind of a hodgepodge of similar ingredients. Um, so that kind of explains like the foods that I'm going to list to you today. They may sound unfamiliar to you or you may know them by like an Americanized name or the American version of these foods. I really didn't move to the U.S. until I was 18. So, you know, growing up in Prague, like fucking amazing, fucking beautiful, fucking loved it. But the truth of the matter is I always knew that I was destined for a creative career, something involving film or art or media or Social media wasn't really a thing back then, but I knew I wanted to do something involving cameras and photography and film and screenwriting. And, you know, it's just let's call a spade a spade. Like Prague is not the most it doesn't have the most opportunities in that particular media. If you if I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, like, sure, maybe I could have stayed in Prague. But my family always knew, like my parents always encouraged me to expand my horizons, spread my wings and just fly to my fullest potential. And in order for that to happen, they were like, "Mm, maybe you should go to the States. And that's what I did. So I went to Arizona for ASU college, 18. And um, yeah, literally pursued a career in film and media. And now like, look where I am, you know, so pat myself on the back. The foods I'm going to list, I'm going to list today are Czech foods. So (laughs) let's just start um, with strudel. Okay, so strudel, strudel is also a German baked good. It's essentially apple pie, right? Um, so I grew up eating strudel on a weekly basis. So my grandmother 
when she was a little bit younger. Um, now she is in full-time care. Can I just say something? My grandmother is 100 years old. That is not an exaggeration. She is 100 like she outlived Betty White. Okay. Remember, remember when Betty White was supposed to have this like ceremonial 100th birthday party and then she died like five days before. So she died like 99. It was everyone was like, oh, awkward. Do we like cancel this event? My grandmother outlived fucking Betty White, which means she survived World War One. She survived World War Two. She survived the fucking coronavirus. My grandmother tested positive for coronavirus in 2020. And she survived that shit when she was like 99 years old, okay? So I would like to think that I have very magical genes within me and that I'm going to live to be 100 as well. I mean, knock on wood over here, right? So anyway, when my grandmother was like younger, she did have her own apartment and her own home and her own kitchen. And whenever I would go to visit her, which was once a week, twice a week, um, she would definitely always babysit me on Saturdays every single Saturday while my dad was, you know, still here. Um, my mom and my dad would have date night every single Saturday. This is how I actually managed to lose my virginity because their dates were so regimen and so scheduled and so like succinct and precise that I knew exactly when they would leave the house 7 p.m. every Saturday. And I knew exactly when they would come home, usually around like 11, maybe pushing midnight. And when I was younger and I couldn't be home alone, my grandmother would would babysit me. And when I was older, like, you know, 16, 17, um, I was able to stay home alone. And one time, just one time, mom, if you're listening, just one time, a boy did come over and that's how I lost my virginity. Er, okay. But anyway, back to the strudel. So every time, every Saturday, my grandmother would come over to babysit me and she would bring homemade strudel. And um, she would always say like, Sophie, Daisy, Kolacha. So Kolacha is kind of another term for pie or baked good. She would always say like, Vemse, Vemse, Daisy, Daisy, which is like, please take, 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 eat, eat, eat. She would essentially like force feed me apple pie, which no complaints, fu- no complaints, fucking delicious. But apple pie is like in my blood at this point because I ate it so frequently. My mother also, like I said, she was a stay at home mom. So she did bake a lot and cook a lot and... My mother, oh my God, like she's a phenomenal cook um, and a phenomenal baker. Sometimes I would come home from school and she would have brownies and cookies and pies and cakes. Um, But one food she really nailed is what we call Rizek. In German, it's called schnitzel. And in English or in America, I think it's just called breaded chicken or breaded pork. I don't eat red meat. I stopped eating red meat in 2020. So it's always chicken for me. Rizek is... um, a daily food like you can eat it any time of the year it's a very casual easy thing to whip up with like potatoes and vegetables um but we do always eat it for christmas it is our my family's go-to christmas meal is rizek with potatoes roasted potatoes in the oven maybe some asparagus maybe some peas some carrots some corn and that's what we eat for christmas if you were to talk to like other czech people they would tell you that the traditional Christmas meal is kapr, which is carp. Like, yes, carp the fish. No one in my family likes kapr except for my dad. Um, and if you want to get real traditional, what you do is you buy your kapr live. Yes, like a living, breathing fish. And you put it in your bathtub filled with water and you don't kill your kapr until Christmas morning because you want it to be as fresh 
as possible, right? So you don't want this like dead fish just sitting in your fridge in the days leading up to Christmas. So you literally buy a live carp, fill your bathtub with water, let it swim around in there for a night and then you kill it like Christmas morning and then eat it. We never did that. My mom was like, if you dare bring a fucking carp into this house, an alive one, I will slap you. So we never did that. We always, my dad liked capra, like he liked it, but he was eventually outnumbered because every other one of my family members was like, we're not eating fucking carp. Okay, we're eating Rizek because it's delicious. Um, Speaking of like bread and breaded things, there is a type of baked bread roll that I ate every single day for breakfast or as a snack. It's called rahlik and it is a baked bread roll and um, it's crispy. It's crunchy on the outside. It has a soft, you know, moist, do I say moist, but like a soft, like mm, warm and toasty inside. And I always, okay, so I am now realizing how weird this is, but when I was a child, like from the years of like elementary school to high school, I ate rahlik every single day after school, either as a snack or a meal, but I ate it, like get this, get this. I ate it, I cut it in half, like lengthwise. One half of my rahlik had goat cheese on it and the other half of it had sheep cheese on it. Like what fucking like 13 year old is eating goat cheese and sheep cheese on a daily basis. I will be the first to admit that I was, you know, slightly bigger in high school. I wouldn't call myself fat or like an unhealthy weight, but I was certainly like bigger. And I was definitely bigger and more circular than my friend group. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, no shit. It's because you ate like bread and cheese. every single day and during soccer season so I played soccer that was my after school activity of choice I played soccer like oh my god every year that it was offered from elementary school all the way to high school and after soccer practice I was understandably like so fucking hungry that I would ask my mom to prepare two rahliks two sets of bread rolls two servings of goat and sheep cheese and then I wonder like why I was the biggest member of my friend group. The next um, little treat is a traditional Christmas wintertime dessert. It's called trdelnik. And it is um, a, uh, what is it? Grilled dough. Okay, so you know how like you put meat on a spit and you turn it, turn it, turn it, and then the meat cooks? You kind of do that with trdelnik. Um, So you put trdelnik on a grill and you, you know, move it in like a circular motion and the grill makes it really toasty and crispy on the outside, but soft and mushy and moist on the inside. And it's a, it's like a literal circular like dough roll and it's hollow on the inside. So you could essentially like put your, put your arm through it, if that makes sense. And one of my favorite things about Prague is how done up it gets for Christmas, like how festive the city becomes. There's all these Christmas markets, there's Christmas trees everywhere, Christmas lights and decorations and carolers and horse-drawn carriages. Like if you want to talk about a magical Disney-like Christmas town, go to Prague, okay? Like you cannot beat the cathedrals and the churches and the bridges and the architecture. Like 
oh my God, Prague is like maybe the most beautiful place on the world. Sorry, like maybe I'm biased, but that's my truth. And the Christmas markets are, oh my God, it's just like such a happy, jolly vibe. You can walk around sipping mulled wine or we call it svarak. You can walk around eating trdelnik, which is the grilled dough dessert. You can buy little Christmas cookies and... Um, buy like little knickknacks and ornaments and home decorations and everyone's in such a good mood and everyone like huddles around the fireplace and oh god and then it's snowing and oh my god it's so beautiful um yeah so trudelnik is like grilled dough and then you top it with sugar and cinnamon and it is chef's kiss my go-to christmas dessert okay now um we're moving like kind of away from traditional czech food but into more of like things my mom made me and what my mom treated me to. So in the summer, the Czech Republic uh, doesn't really get, well, now it does because fucking like global warming. But when I was younger living there, we didn't really have that many hot days because it is Central Europe. So it is just generally a cooler climate. But on, you know, the anomaly super hot day, my mom would always make me and my friends, because let's face it, I always had friends over. My house was the social house like think of that 70s show or think of friends and everyone always gathers at monica's apartment everyone always gathers at inside eric's basement right it's just like that go-to house my house was the go-to house mainly because honestly my parents were so fucking chill we could like stay out all night partying and drinking and then come home and be drunk and hung over the next day oh my god one time (laughs) actually not just one time this happened probably multiple times But one time in particular, one of my friends, Karen, um, we went out partying and drinking in high school and I guess she passed out next to my toilet. Um, And my mom didn't know because Karen's like sleeping on the bathroom floor and my mom walks in and Karen's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like she didn't even realize she was there. My mom was like, oh my God, Karen, like, I'm so sorry to wake you up. Do you need anything? (laughs) So that was my mom. She was just so used to like shenanigans and nonsense and drunk buffoonery. And like she didn't give a fuck. So my house was the social house. So whenever I had friends over, which was like every single day after school, she would offer to make me and my girlfriends strawberry milkshakes. And to this day, I have not been able to make one at home or even buy one somewhere that tastes nearly as good. I mean, let's face it, home cooked, anything your mom makes is going to taste a million times better than store-bought or when you make your own. I think the secret is that my mom used real ice cream. Like none of this like low calorie, low carb, low sugar bullshit. She used like real authentic, full fat, high sugar, high milk, vanilla ice cream. And, um, you know, put fresh strawberries, strawberries in there and blend it all like, oh, like it was so thick. I, again, I hate that word, but just think of like the best, like ice cold, thick mouthwatering smoothie. That's what my mom made for me as a special treat. My mom would sometimes take me to McDonald's. I mean, let's face it. What fucking kid does not like McDonald's every now and then? Obviously, I do not condone like fast food as the go-to, as the norm. But every now and then, she would take my ass to McDonald's and we would get a Happy Meal. The toys that were offered at Czech McDonald's, because like from what I've heard, like from my American friends and even from my husband, 
I gather that Happy Meals in the U.S. were the fucking tits, like were the bomb, were like the Hot Wheels and the Pokemon and the Barbie and the Lego and the My Little Pony and just like real cool, trendy, hot shit. The Happy Meals in Prague, because we like didn't have Hot Wheels, we like didn't have My Little Pony, like we didn't have this Americanized culture, obviously. Um, the Happy Meals were, were pretty lame. I don't even remember what I got. I probably got some like sesame seed, sesame seed, <laughs> sesame street toy every now and then. But in any case, um, I, my mom ended up giving me the nickname ketchup monster because every time we would go to McDonald's, I would drown my French fries in ketchup And until this day, like, you can call me the ketchup monster. Speaking of fast food, my American friends are never going to believe me. Actually, that's not true. My husband believes me, and he has witnessed this himself. Okay, so let's talk about KFC. There is a menu item, maybe not in the States, or at least not anymore, but certainly in Czech KFCs, there is a menu item called the Twister Wrap. And it is a wrap with like real fried and breaded chicken, a little bit of mayonnaise, maybe like another kind of dressing like honey mustard. And there's lettuce and tomato. And mm, it's I mean, it's my it's my only it's the only thing I like at KFC. And I grew up eating the twister and we would we would call it the twister menu so you obviously get the wrap and then the french fries and then the soda and that was my and my friends like favorite thing to get at KFC lo and behold i moved to the i moved to the us and i go with one of my american friends to an american KFC and i ask for a twister and the woman at the register is like a what i'm like a twister she's like what what is that and i'm like oh, I guess like, are you sold out? And she was like, no, like I've literally never heard of a twister in my career of working at KFC. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just this location. Maybe it's just this one city or this one state. But I've tried multiple KFCs in multiple states in America and it is not sold anywhere. And then eventually, like I asked my husband, I was like, hey, you've lived in the US your entire life. Was there ever a twister? And he's like, I think there was a twister for a bre- for a very brief period. I think they brought it in for like a year, two years as a test run and it didn't do well and it didn't sell well. So they took it off the menu. But my husband in that short window did manage to eat the twister and loved it. And he was like, oh my God, wait, you, you check people have twisters? I'm like, yeah, every location has a twister. So my husband's been with me back home to Prague twice, two times now. And both times we go, he's like, babe, we have to go to KFC because I have to get a motherfucking twister. I'm like, done, done and dusted. So the twister has a very nostalgic place in my heart. And it's it's a huge shame that you probably have never tried it because it didn't just, I don't know, it didn't do well, which is surprising to me because it's my favorite thing on the menu. So that's kind of just a summary of my favorite foods growing up and my most cherished, fondest food memories. Um, I did mention that, you know, I am now discovering my own cooking path here at home. I have been bitten by the cooking culinary bug, and I do find myself really itching to try more recipes at home. Um, as, as I mentioned, I 
am learning to cook basically for the first time now as a 30-year-old. I never bothered to as a kid because my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Eventually, by the time I... So my mom worked um, as a lawyer. That's where my mom and dad met, like, in the law firm industry. It was a small circle, so they did end up falling in love there. And then when my sister was born, my mom became a librarian. And by the time I was born, my dad had already like worked his way up the corporate ladder and was very successful and was able to provide for the family without my mom needing to work. So I grew up literally with a stay-at-home mom, somebody who cleaned up after me, cooked for me, drove me to school, picked me up from school, helped me with homework. She did everything. She was a fucking super mom. But because I was like, honestly, like, yeah, kind of sheltered and kind of spoiled and kind of just had things done for me without needing even to ask or do it myself. So I never really bothered to learn how to cook because my mom always, always did, you know. And now that I'm 30, I uh, have discovered, oh, okay, well, mostly I would say the one catalyst that has really shifted my mind around cooking and preparing food for myself is that I've found this local small-scale farmer's market that just brings me so much joy. I go there twice a week, on occasion three times a week. I love the people who who work there because it's all volunteer-based. Everyone there is just there out of the goodwill and the goodness of their hearts. And the fact that it's like from farmer's five miles away. I mean, you know the deal with farmer's markets, right? Everything is fresh. Everything is local. Everything is healthy and grown without pesticides and grown without hormones. And um, oh my God, speaking of like pesticides and shit, I can't, I can't generalize this, but I did see this one TikTok that showed what they feed pigs And then, you know, you slaughter the pigs and then that becomes your bacon and that becomes your Zizek if you prefer it with pork. They actually feed, they throw plastic bottles into the pig feed because pigs are not very selective or picky with what they eat. They will just gobble, gobble, gobble. If there's, you know, a a piece of plastic next to a piece of grass or next to a piece of hay, that pig is gen- is going to just gobble, gobble, gobble everything. It's not going to distinguish the plastic between the hay. And um, the person who recorded this TikTok on their phone worked at this particular farm or processing plant, and their boss discovered this video that went viral and fired them. And they were, you know, which makes sense. But, like, at the same time, I'm, I'm so thankful that this employee, like, had the guts to share this information with the world. So... That really got me thinking about, like, I know I don't eat red meat anymore, but the white meat that I do eat, like chicken and turkey and fish, that TikTok really disturbed me as it should and got me thinking about where my my meat and my fish come from. And if you're going to, you know, do meat, my opinion, and feel free to take it or leave it, is that you should always get it from your local butcher. Don't get it from... um, Fred Meyer or Publix or Costco, you know, these like mass produced chain grocery stores, I would prefer to shop local, shop smaller and go to my local butcher or go to my local farmer's market. So now I've discovered a farmer's market that is 10 minutes away and the people there are so lovely, so positive. There's just something about the smell 
and the display of the produce at this farmer's market, everything about it just screams positivity and screams like good vibes and happiness and health and wellness and treating yourself and fueling your body with like goodness. And I just step into this market and it feels like I'm it's like an immediate serotonin boost. You know, if I'm ever just like in a bad mood, I can go to this market, pick up some berries, pick up some fruits, pick up some celery, you know, whatever. And I always leave the market feeling like a brand new person. And that's what I've been doing lately. The trick is that this farmer's market, you know, is smaller. So they don't offer nearly as many options as your grocery store. And they also don't offer anything that's out of season, right? Farmers operate with the seasons. They only grow what they can in the summer and the spring and the fall and the winter. So you do end up having like a smaller, more select selection. And because of that, a smaller selection means I'm kind of almost forced to push my horizons and try new ingredients and try different produce that maybe I didn't necessarily go there for. Like the other day, perfect example with these fucking onions. So I went to the market the other day and they had a special deal on onions because they had so many, they had a surplus and they were just dying for people to take them so they don't go bad. So I was like, okay, I don't consider myself an onion lover or I don't really know any onion recipes off the top of my head, but you have this special deal, super cheap onions, I'm gonna take some home. I get home and I go on Pinterest, my favorite place to find recipes, type in like, what the hell do you do with onions? And I saw French onion soup, which is a little advanced for me at the moment because you do need like all these broths and vegetables and spices and herbs. But like, hey, it's on my list. We will get there. I will eventually learn how to make the best homemade French onion soup. But we got to start small. We got to walk before we can run, you know, baby steps. So I found a recipe on bonappetit.com for caramelized onions. And it was so straightforward, so simple. Two fucking ingredients, maybe three. The onions, you know, an oil of your choice, olive oil or avocado oil and butter. Three fucking ingredients. Like, hello, I can do this. Throw it all in a pan. Let it cook, let it caramelize, wait until that golden brown. You gotta be a little bit patient. It does take about 20, 30 minutes because I like mine super dark and super brown and super golden and super crispy. And I was, and my husband came home like a few hours later and he was like, whoa, like, did you make a fucking stew? (laughs) First of all, it's summer, okay? It's like late July over here. Like, why are you making a stew? Like, and second of all, like, who are you, Julia Child? And I was like, no, I didn't make a stew, but I did make caramelized onions. And I let him try my batch. And he was like, whoa, like, listen, I know it's not fucking rocket science over here. Like a chimpanzee could probably make caramelized onions. But, you know, we got to celebrate the small wins. This is what the podcast is all about, is celebrating the small little things that make a house a home. And I made my house a home yesterday with a batch of caramelized onions. And my husband tried them and he was like, damn, these are good. And in fact, he liked them so much that when he made dinner that same night, he was like, hey, are you saving your onions for anything? And I was like, no, I don't really know what to use them for. I just made them like to try, like to just to test what I could do with these fucking onions. And he was like, great, we're adding your onions to my dish to elevate it and make it that much more delicious. Boom, bing, bang, boom, done. 
So now I know how to make caramelized onions. And now that I know how to know how to do that, caramelized onions are one of the main ingredients in French onion soup. So we can take it one step further. I can go ahead and buy like beef broth or chicken broth and maybe some like crostini bread because we got to get that crunch and the melted cheese. And who knows, maybe in a week or two, I will be chatting with you about French onion soup. What else have I made at home? Well, the onions blew my mind. So delicious, so healthy, so easy. The other day, I mentioned this in my newsletter that I have a recipe for carrot bread, which I call a fusion between banana bread and carrot cake. I actually um, made it twice so far. The first time I made it, I was a little bit stingy with the ingredients because I had no idea how this would turn out. And I hate the idea of wasting food. So God forbid I threw all this food into like the oven and then it cooked and then it tasted like shit, right? Now I've wasted like all my ingredients. So I was a little bit like careful and conservative with my measurements, but it turned out delicious. And then I was like, okay, now I have more confidence to add like more cinnamon, more bananas, more carrots, more vanilla extract, more raisins, more walnuts. And I elevated my recipe the second time around as you do, you know, you gotta get keep betting better, better, better. And it was delicious. I added more banana. I added um, a handful of walnuts, a handful of raisins baked it and oh my god now carrot bread is like my favorite breakfast dessert of all time it's like i said it's basically banana bread except carrots are the main ingredient instead of bananas i've actually noticed that um i tend to like cooking small individual side dishes like think of caramelized onions right that's not a meal that's something you add to a meal you add it to a burger you add it to a a sandwich or a salad but you got to start small, you know? So even though I just made onions or carrot bread, for example, that's not exactly a meal. It's more of like a little side dessert, something if you have a sweet tooth to eat at the end, at the end of the day. But so I'm not cooking whole meals, right? I'm not like Julia Child over here, Gordon Ramsay, Anthony Bourdain, but um, I am taking the steps to make these delicious side dishes for myself and for my husband. And one of my favorite things to do, like now I do understand why people say that cooking is love and cooking is very much a love language and a sh- and a way to show your love and express your love and a way to like love each other back and forth. Because when my husband tried my onions and he, you know, I saw his genuine positive reaction, I, like my heart melted. Like I felt so proud in that moment that I could share this homemade dish made with love, made with patience, made with kindness, made with like positivity and joy in my heart. And that comes through in food, like sharing your food and cooking like is an expression of happiness and love and positivity and sharing, you know, sharing is caring. So I am really digging this at home journey that I'm on right now. That's all for me. If you try my onions, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm not going to share a recipe for fucking caramelized onions. Like it's literally so easy with three ingredients, but I'm just saying if you are in a similar boat, you know, share with me, talk to me about it. Follow me on Instagram at Sophie Radvan. I would love to hear what your favorite recipes or side dishes or meals are to cook at home. That's all for me. Have a great day, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.